listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes. This week we have a bunch of the latest tech news that matters to you. We've got some useful tech tips and tricks to help you make better use out of your technology. And we will also have a few recommendations from myself and my colleague, Gavin Phillips. My name is Christian Corley. Welcome to the show, everyone. Gavin, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, Christian. Uh, we've obviously just had the Queen's Jubilee here in the UK, so we've all been treated to a lovely four-day weekend. Did you, uh, did you make the most of it yourself? I went to a food festival in Moulton in North Yorkshire and spent far too much money on artisan food produce. <laughs> nice. I, I think that's the perfect thing to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Did you know there's such a thing? Of course you didn't. But um, Yorkshire pasta. Yorkshire pasta. Wait, so is this pasta made in Yorkshire? Made in Yorkshire from Yorkshire flour. Wow, okay. And does it taste specifically different? I've not had any yet. You'll notice my accent's got a lot broader since I say the word Yorkshire. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think you're gonna say. Since I started eating it, my accent's become really strong. <laughs> oh no, no, I've um, tasted it raw and um, had a feel of it. To, um, to and it's very different to normal pasta, but it, it's apparently it's very delicious. So I'm looking forward to uh, trying it out at some point, probably when we've got guests or something. But anyway, enough about that. I um, well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's slightly related because um, from where I live to my destination on Saturday. Uh, there are several routes, and as always, because I hate roadworks, I hate getting stuck in um, any sort of traffic jam, I connect my phone to my car um, via Android Auto. And that's recently changed how that is done. And this is because Google is stopping you from using Android Auto on your phone. There's no longer an Android Auto mobile app sort of interface that you can access anymore. Um it's now being integrated into Google Assistant and Google Assistant's driving mode. And to be honest with you, I mean, I, I didn't particularly like Android Auto on the phone. I don't particularly like the Google Assistant version either, Gavin. No, I must admit I'm not a great fan of uh, either of them. Uh, when I get in the car, I typically phone screen goes off or set Spotify up or something. Phone screen goes off and if I need to look at it, I, I will pull over or what have you. I think for people that do use it, it's going to switch from uh, a more visual interface into something that Google wants you to use more voice commands, don't yeah, they? So definitely. that you're, you're concentrating on the road uh, more than actually looking at your phone, which, I mean, is only a good thing, really. It is. I think I think possibly there might... I'm, there must be a setting for this, but I haven't been able to find it yet. Is the whole... Because my, my, my car will do Android Auto if you connect Android to it. Um, I presume the same is true with iPhone, although we've not ch tried it yet. But the fact is that um, you connect it up, and yet something still launches on your phone screen, and it's completely unnecessary because the entire interface is going on through the, um, the you know the the tablet esque interface in the car. So it, it seems a bit pointless to have that. And it's just, it was the same with Android Auto, although not to the same extent. But it's now it's happening with. Uh, this um, driving mode in Google Assistant, every time you connect it, this pops mm. up. And you don't really need it. It's just, it's, I mean, 
in some ways it's kind of enticing you to touch the phone, which you don't want to be doing. No, exactly. I guess that's the thing with because there's two versions of um, Android Auto, as you said. There's Android Auto that comes uh, built into your car, like you said, on your touchscreen interface or whatever, and then the separate Android Auto app which you would download onto your phone which is what people that may not have a touchscreen interface or what have you in their car can use to to supplement that um so i guess like you said there's some mechanism that when you plug it in it still says hello i'm being android auto there must be some way to turn it off in the settings on the dashboard within the car perhaps yeah, not entirely sure yet. I'll have to dig that out. But um, yeah, so that's what's happening with Google Assistant and Android Auto, sort of uh, getting married, basically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, if you're on the lookout for a cheap yet completely usable laptop, there haven't been many options recently. However, the Pinebook Pro is a Linux laptop, and it's back on sale after a year-long delay, which had to be cancelled for uh, over supply chain problems. Now... Pinebook Pro is just $219. That's $219. I am assured this is a very good computer. I have used the basic Pinebook, which mind-blowingly cost just $99. Uh, a couple of years ago, there's a review for it I'll make use of. I think we have a review of the Pinebook Pro as well. If you're looking for an affordable laptop, and this is, you know, we're get, coming towards the summer, so, you know, the, Young people are going to be heading off to university and things like that and may need a laptop. I would recommend getting a hold of a Pinebook because they're affordable and certainly for anyone who's interested in programming or computer development or any of that kind of thing, these are ideal devices. And, you know, they come with word processors built in as well, so perfectly good business machines. They really are, actually. We definitely do have a, a review on the Pinebook Pro because it was written by yours truly. Oh, fact. right, there you go. Um, and I've had one for maybe a year and a half yeah. now. So uh, I didn't realize they've been out of stock for so long, to be honest. I know they had a lot of issues with stock during the uh, COVID or the peak time of the COVID pandemic. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously now leveling out. One of the other things that affected them was the actual quality of some of the hardware they were getting during the pandemic period and there were some reports of screens not working properly and, uh, and what have you and because of the nature of Pinebook and what it is it's meant to be you replace and fix your own hardware and what yeah. have you I think people did run into some issues but seeing that now that it's up and running um, I would have no problem recommending it to people it's a great way to get into Linux as well. I'm not a massive Linux user, but I found it like completely simple to use. It runs uh, the Manjaro distro out of the box, which is like super, super user friendly. You don't have to worry about like diving in and getting your hands mucky with the command line straight away. There's a nice package installer. There's loads of software available for it. So like you said, Christian, it's a great option, a great cheap laptop option um, for, for anyone looking for something. Yeah, I reviewed the Pinebook 64 in 2017, five years ago nearly. Wow, that, would, that seems a lot longer than I remember. Uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, they had certainly um, decent bits of kit that will do the job for you and a lot are obviously a lot cheaper than, say, a MacBook or a Microsoft Surface Book or anything like that. We'll move on now to Microsoft, who 
have decided that as you're not using some features of Microsoft Excel, they're axing them. So money for Excel, Wolfram data types and partner offers, what the hell is that? Are all getting cut out in a bid to keep Excel slim of unwanted features. Uh, Microsoft say, we've learned a lot from money in Excel and appreciate the many needs people have for their families and their money. We believe there are other areas where we can have a greater impact and we'll be focusing on those going forward. Now, this is all a, um, uh, money is basically a financial template for Excel. Although previously, Microsoft Money was a completely separate application, which Microsoft cancelled and then integrated the best features into Excel. Oops. It's not great, <laughs> is it? No. I, uh, it's one of those things where it clearly had little use and very no one was using it before because you remember it used to be its own little thing was it in windows 8 or an 8.1 it was an actual logo within the uh the start menu wasn't it you could click on a literal function called money and it would open it up for you right but i guess no one was using it so you know port the best bits to excel which makes yeah. sense in fairness um but if there's no support for it or no one's using it why not get rid of it yeah. i'm more intrigued by the thing called partner offers as you sort of uh, alluded to there what what is that i haven't a faintest idea what partner offers is which i i guess that um requires us to do a very quick piece of googling because i was hoping you knew what partner offers was <laughs> i'm guessing by the name it's integrated money offers within the excel itself getting you to spend money on things with their partners by the sounds of it who knows capitalize on the cloud partner offers your toolkit make sure you're prepared for the cloud with azure need help migrating to the cloud it must be something business oriented and uh, aimed at using cloud yeah, well, that would make sense, yeah. yeah. The Wolfram data types thing, I feel like, might be a loss for some people, uh, at least, because it's quite an advanced mathematical search engine, isn't it? So people that are plugged into that, because you can integrate it within your Excel spreadsheets. So. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Wolfram themselves seem to be very pleased about it. Um, when it was released, Microsoft has partnered with Wolfram to intelligently add meaning to your data, identify and autofill thousands of data points from hundreds of data types directly in Microsoft Excel. I'm going to throw this out there that maybe Wolfram's integration with uh, Linux uh, applications might be serving them better. Yeah, I think definitely you get more use out of it with a, a data, a, more people using it in a wider range of scenarios, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, those have been cancelled. Um, I mean, I mean, most people. I don't know. Do you use Microsoft Excel regularly? Uh, not really anymore. When I used to do a lot of, um, I was doing content marketing and. Um, b2b marketing i would use it a lot more then but these days i just have very little use for it to be honest how about yourself i have been using microsoft excel in various ways that it wasn't designed for for nearly 20 years now <laughs> um, such as um designing schedules and not just managing money and income and stuff like that but maintaining lists and uh, it's, it's all very odd um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, while I don't use Excel itself I use uh, LibreOffice Calc most of the time now and I use that in exactly the same way because I'm using the same document basically but yeah uh, yeah it's um it, it, it has it has powers beyond 
adding up columns does it? Oh, absolutely have you tried to keep going with the excel but if you've ever seen the video games you can play within excel i remember the old one from sort of office 97 or around that sort of time or it might have been uh... yeah so there's all sorts of uh, different games you can play there's a article on make use of about this uh with you can play things like an old version of championship manager within Excel. yeah 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 uh and there's like uh an rpg type battle game that works there's various sort of wordplay games there's uh that 20 2048 game you know where you shuffle the tiles around to make bigger numbers yes um there's, so there's all sorts of different video games you can play within excel so if your boss is, like looks over your shoulder and says, oh, what are you up to you're like oh just attending to the spreadsheets mate just attending oh, that is fantastic <laughs> uh so this is the um you're referring to the article here eight iconic games recreated in microsoft excel yes for sure yeah which we will include in the show notes because <laughs> yeah. i'm absolutely certain you all want that <laughs> oh my god there's even a tetris fantastic okay let's move on Your computer has crashed. You have no operating system. You need to reboot it. You need to boot it up and install a new operating system. You need a USB stick. And in order to use the USB stick, you need to make it bootable and have a disk image that you can boot from. That is why you need a bootable USB flash drive. Gavin, what are the best tools for creating a bootable USB drive? Well... My favourite tool is uh, Rufus, and it has been for quite a long time now. I think I've been using it since version 1, way back when, and it's only got better as time goes on. And the reason that I really like Rufus is that it automates a lot of the nuts and bolts of creating a bootable USB. So rather than having to faff around with lots of different settings, wondering if it's actually going to work when you go to boot from it rufus takes care of pretty much everything you put your usb stick into your computer into the port you tell rufus what the file you want to load onto the usb and it fills in all of the details for you uh, you hit start you wait for it to complete and jobs are good and you've got a bootable usb does Rufus cover Windows and other operating systems, or is it just for installing Windows? No, you can use Rufus to install um, basically any operating system as far as I'm aware. It handles Windows, Linux, uh, like Linux Live CDs, anything like that. You can also use it to write to um, like an SD card or a micro SD card. Um, and within the options, you can also choose different image options. You can choose your partition schemes and what have you. If you do want to get involved in the nuts and bolts of what you're doing. Um, so like the options are there if you, if you know what you're doing, but if not, it's a really great, like hands off, hands off tool. Okay. So that's one you prefer to use. What other options are there? Well, there's a few really good options. So I have used uh, Windows USB and DVD download tool before. Have you ever used this tool before? I've, I've used it once. Yeah, so unfortunately Windows have actually discontinued it, but we do have uh, an active link for it on the Make Use Of 
website um and it's probably about as basic as you can get for a usb uh, burning tool a bootable usb burning tool sorry and this is literally you say which iso file you want to burn which drive you want to burn it to and that's it and it does everything for you so that's a really handy option but for those that want um to get really involved with their usb bootable experience something like rm prep usb is uh is really really useful it's probably i would say a bit more advanced than most people need it comes with a lot of additional stuff for people that want to boot linux um linux software on their computers you can use grub for dos sys linux um free dos uh, and a few other things as well but that again you can use for windows linux uh, and all, all sorts of other operating systems do you have a favorite uh, tool christian I tend to use Etcher, um, but that's not necessarily aimed at USB. It's more aimed at SD cards and just general flash. But um, yeah, I've, I've used Etcher mostly these days. That's uh, similar as well, isn't it? That's uh, like a you you fire it up, put your USB drive in, and 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 it does the job for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's very simple. You just select select the image you want to burn, select the drive, and click burn or write or whatever, and it just uh, there's no fussing with it. It does have some advanced uh, options, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, nice simple tool i think with most of the tools these days um you can go well you can go as advanced or as basic as you want yeah. which is yeah. which is the most important thing so if you encounter that situation where windows has you know done its classic thing of deciding it doesn't want to play ball anymore mm. you can use one of these really basic tools to burn a new version of windows within you know 25 minutes or so plus your download time for the operating system but you could be back up and running again within within an hour which is which is great yeah it is yeah uh so check the full article which you'll find in the show notes there's a whole host of uh different iso to usb tools in the list uh, that gavin has reviewed we're going to move on now to the best free online city building games like SimCity. So this is sort of SimCity-style games in your browser rather than on your computer. Gavin has uh, been taking a look at this. Enjoy it, did you? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lovely little <laughs> afternoon, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, so the wife came in and was like, what are you up to? It's like, work, obviously. Yes. It's, it's clearly work. <laughs> oh, um, those ones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there were some really good games, though, actually, and some sort of different takes on the classic SimCity-style city builder. So Toy Box uh, Metropolis, which is number one on the list, was interesting. So you're building a small city. You have 10 turns to do so. But uh, the city you're building is actually made out of children's toys, and it's situated on the bedroom floor of a children's room uh, and each turn you get to build it up a little bit more so that was quite quite a fun little go um, if you wanted something more like sim city the game called uh, micropolis online is a port of the original sim city uh, maxis the people that originally developed sim city released the source code for it uh, many many years ago so there's quite a few different ports of the original game these days but micropolis online is one that you can play within your browser yeah it's um, a funny one micropolis because it's also been available on linux for ages but it doesn't save it doesn't save it's almost as if it's a port of the online version 
Oh gosh, yeah, because you want to be able to save your progress, don't you? Of course you, you do. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. So it's quite a good fun thing. I mean, it's a top down. It's you know two D. Uh, it's it's as basic as it comes because yep. it was a port of the original game, but it is it is good fun. Um, the other thing I would say though is so you can play actual SimCity 2000 in your in your browser through the website Play Classic, which uh, they have integrated emulators. An emulator lets you uh, play on a, an operating system that isn't there basically. Um, so you can run SimCity 2000 from your browser and play the whole thing. And this one does have game saving. Um, and in fact, it has game saving uh, as a universal feature. So anybody that has played SimCity 2000 in the Play Classic emulator on their website who has saved their game there, it's still there. <laughs> so you can fire up anybody's game and go and look at their city and play and tinker around with it. So that's quite fun. That's an interesting feature. Yeah, I think it's just like an oversight of, you know... Oh, it's a bug then. Well, I wouldn't even say it's a bug. It's you know, it's 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 not a bug. It's a feature. That sort of. Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it is fun going and looking at other people's uh, massive sprawling cities. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I was always a fan of um, Moff of um, the what's it called Sim Sim Tower. Oh, Sim Tower! Gosh, yeah. Yeah. It's that been... was uh, great. Yeah, there's been a few variants of that over the years. There's like a there's a sim Death Star, or a micro Death Star, or something like that. Even build a Death Star basically, on your phone. Wow, I like the sound of that. There's yeah. the. I'm um, not sure if it's still available though. You remember like the very early games? They're like Sim Ant. I never played out. Sim Ant, but yeah, oh. I'm aware of it. Yeah, that was when you I fired that up, and you could play that in a uh, in a in a browser emulator as well. So that that is quite good fun. The Sim Tower, which you just made me re remember, it was redone as Project High Rise back That's in 2016, right. yeah. which was actually quite it's actually quite good. I didn't put enough hours into that when it came out, but it's a it's a really good modern version of it. I know this is um, I I jotted down this idea for a game a few years ago, two or three years ago, and now they're everywhere. Um, farm shop simulators no yeah <laughs> what equipment do you need to start a youtube channel now this has changed a bit over the past few years basically all you need is a phone you may need a dedicated camera but as long as your phone is sort of i mean hd is enough 2k is good 4k is better i'm not sure if there's any 8k phones out there at the moment but basically if your phone's got a hd camera on it and that's pretty much all you need you could use a microphone with it as well that'll help it'll improve the audio quality that you're producing but it's really easy to do now now there might be a few other things that you need you may need a tripod for your phone you may need video and editing tools and audio editing tools to uh, just improve things. And uh, it's worth going to Canva as well and producing, uh, very easy because they're all templates, producing some sort of intro and outros for your videos. And if you want to do a gaming channel, um, then a video capture card might be useful. But then again, I think most platforms record stuff for you anymore and save it to the cloud any anyway. So... Even that isn't 100% necessary these days. It's so easy to do, Gavin. I think it really is. It's definitely 
easier than ever. Uh, you can literally just point your phone at anything, then point it at your face, hit record, and, <laughs> and you're good to go. Um, then pointing it at your face. Yeah, point it at your face. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to. If, like you said, you can start a gaming channel. You don't even need to point the camera at your face. You no. can just video, you can voice overlay over what you're doing. Uh, and you are making a YouTube channel from the from the ground up. So Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I would, um, I would say, just some advice, is to keep it as simple as you possibly can. My children have been nagging at me for some time for their own YouTube channel. Um, which I've, you know, I've agreed to it because uh, they, we record everything, <laughs> every single day out that we go on gets recorded in some way, and so that's basically the the idea of their YouTube channel. But it does require a lot of editing. Um, yeah. All those clips recorded on a gimbal, so it's all nice and smooth and that, and you know that it ends up looking good eventually. It takes a long time to get there, and if you can keep the concept for your YouTube channel simple, then that in most cases, will make editing simple. And simple editing means quick editing, which means more videos. Absolutely. Um, even through, as you all know, through doing like product reviews and what have you, trying to figure out what footage you actually need and what footage would be just be a bit nice to have is quite important. So getting that base level of video down before you start venturing out into oh i need some fancy b-roll or i want my camera to move in this specific way yeah. um is is often the best option and and also more importantly it gets you to grips with the editing process a lot quicker doesn't it yes it does yeah yes yeah, definitely worth doing just prepare plan and prepare and then hit record <laughs> We've reached the part of the really useful podcast where we take a look at our recommendations. And I think, uh, Gavin, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first, Christian. Um, I've actually got two things this week, if that's all right with, with you. One of two? Them is, two, I know, okay. it's outrageous. <laughs> Getting a bit it's confident really with these recommendations. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, although I previously said i've cancelled my my netflix it hasn't completely run out yet so i have been indulging in the latest season of stranger things four and whilst this isn't a mind-blowing recommendation if you are into it or you've not seen stranger things definitely go and watch it because it's fantastic it's just so so good okay um obviously not going to reveal any spoilers but uh it's absolutely worth a watch and most interestingly of all each of the episodes from this season of Stranger Things, Stranger Things 4, is over an hour long. So they're all 70 minutes long in this first segment, or 70 wow. to 80 minutes long. The second half of the series, uh, the final two episodes are going to be feature-length films. So they're going to be, I think, over two hours in length for the final two episodes of the series. So there is an awful lot of content there for people to watch. And as I said, it is really, really good. So so go and watch that. I'm getting um, a Game of Thrones Series 8 vibe from that. Uh, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so I, I can't okay. compare, I'm afraid. <laughs> I was they never forgot, really into it. They forgot how to edit, basically. They forgot how to edit before producing their scripts, and it all got a bit bloated and silly. 
Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think that's the case with uh, Stranger Things. It that's seems like there's a lot of very specific things going on, and the storyline just... Boy, does it keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's your second recommendation? My second one uh, actually also relates to something we've all talked about. Uh, city builders. I've recently got back into Cities Skylines. So it's a bit of an older game. Uh, it's been around, I think, now for maybe seven or eight years at this point. But if you want a proper city building experience, it is still hands down the best game for it there's heaps of mods for it as well i mean you do need mods to actually make it into the game that it really should have been um but once you get it all set up and working well it's just such a fantastic game you can lose so many hours to it <laughs> okay then and is that i mean what's the availability of city skylines City Skylines is available on Steam, um, and actually, as we are talking now, it's actually currently available on Humble Bundle. You can get it in a Humble Bundle. Um, unfortunately, that's only available for the next sort of week or so, so if you're listening to this at a later date, please don't shoot the messenger, but at the time of uh, recording, it is available in a bundle, so you get the, the game, all the DLC, and all that sort of stuff to go with it. So, um, but even if not, it comes up for sale on Steam uh, all the time. So, and it really is worth a, worth a play. Excellent. Okay, my recommendation is this may be surprising to all of you. It was certainly a surprise to me. Uh, it is the Poluno Electric City Bike. A bike. <laughs> a bike that's electric. Now, I'm working on a full review for make use of, of this bike, but I have to say, I was stunned at uh, how how good it was, how effortless it makes cycling. It's um, it is a city bike, so it's it's meant for commuters. It's meant for uh, sort of uh, suburban and urban landscapes rather than the countryside. It isn't for hills. Um, it can flatten every urban incline, so it's presumably not meant for hilly cities either, like Rome or San Francisco or Sheffield. Um, I was going to say Sheffield. Yeah. <laughs> I put that in as a joke as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so it's um, now. I mean, it, it, I'm not. It's not without complaints. Um, I mean, it came with a kickstand, and there's nothing to fix a kickstand to the bike with. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, no. But uh, generally speaking, I'm pretty. Imp I'm, I'm. If I'm, if my voice is going, it's because it's behind me. So I'm sort of turning to look at it. Generally speaking, I'm pretty impressed with it, and. Uh, the controls are pretty basic, but it does the job perfectly, and it's um, it's, it's just it's nice to ride. It's quite fun as well. Does it have a reasonably powerful motor then? Well, it it has sort of five settings, and I actually, I went out for a second ride on it the other day to uh, do some uh, B roll footage uh, for the review, and um, I'd actually I'd left it set to speed five. So I nearly threw myself off. <laughs> and it's not even that powerful. It's just it took me completely by surprise that I had it set so high, basically. But, uh, yeah, once you start pedaling and reach, like, a particular speed, then uh, the motor kicks in and it just sort of, like, it sort of helps carry you on. It's not really, it's not like an electric bike in the sense that you don't have to pedal. You have to pedal. It's yeah. electric assistive. Um, but it works really well. 
Nice. I like the sound of uh, electric bikes like that. Well, you're still putting in some effort, but when you get to one of those giant hills, <laughs> you don't end up in a great pool of sweat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good little bike. Pretty pleased with it. Uh, so that's my recommendation. That brings us to the end of our show for this week. The really useful podcast is brought to you by makeuseof.com and that is where you will find the majority of links that we have discussed so far. If anything has proven useful to you, please share the link or share the podcast with your friends and family and let them know. And if you could uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would also be superb. Until next time, it's goodbye from Gavin Phillips and myself, Christian Corley.